0: and a secret proceedings.
1: Our differences worldwide would vanish
0: if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against
1: the military-industrial
0: hunger. UFOs.
1: Paranormal phenomena
2: You always have to wake up.
1: Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Thambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again and if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making the truth journey possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And when you subscribe, you are essentially upgrading your mind. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS MMS. USB drives, and everything else we have to offer. And yes, even during tonight's interview and the books that will be discussed, MMS is prominently mentioned as a very important survival tool. By the way, there's another resource that I'm not sure you know exists, the Facebook like page. One of our associates, Samantha, is in charge of this, and every day she sends me a dozen or two stories of interest and I filter the ones I deem most interesting to you. So like our Facebook Veritas Radio page and be informed of news you won't hear in the mainstream media. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com did you know that if the power grid fails in the United States, we could be facing thousands of Chernobyls all happening at the same time? There are approximately 104 nuclear reactors in the United States. What should we do if one of these reactors went into meltdown? Tonight we'll discuss six trends, each of which are potential civilization busters. These trends may be forming into the perfect storm for collapse. Do we have a chance for avoiding long-term collapse of the world as we know it? Every time a natural disaster is on the horizon, like a huge blizzard or a major hurricane, the so-called experts on the radio and TV tell us what they think we need to do to be prepared. Yet, people always find themselves grossly unprepared. What things are they not telling us that we need to know, and what are some of the most important things in your 72-hour survival kit that are lacking in what these so-called experts recommend? Five acres of land and an off-grid home sound like the way to go, but quite frankly, they are out of reach for most people who are living from paycheck to paycheck. Are those without extra cash just out of luck, or is there hope? What can we do to prepare? There are dark clouds gathering on the horizon. Collectively, they are converging to form the perfect storm, a storm of such magnitude that it will dwarf anything that mankind has ever seen. If we are unsuccessful in our attempts to calm this storm, without a doubt, it will destroy life as we know it on planet Earth. For this, on ways to survive when disaster strikes, or technology fails a ways to prevent these disasters and live in a sustainable world. Matthew Stein is tonight's special guest, right now on Veritas. Matthew Stein is a design engineer, green builder, and author of two best-selling books, When Disaster Strikes, A Comprehensive Guide to Emergency Planning and Crisis Revival, and When Technology Fails, A Manual for Self-Reliance, Sustainability, and Surviving the Long Emergency. Stein is a graduate of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, where he majored in mechanical engineering. Stein has appeared on numerous radio and television programs and is a repeat guest on Fox News, Lionel, Coast to Coast AM, and The Tom Hartman Show. He's an active mountain climber, serves as a guide, an instructor for blind skiers, has written several articles on the subject of sustainable living, and is a guest columnist for the Huffington Post. And we have a more detailed bio on our website. To learn more about Matthew Stein and his work, visit his websites at whentechfails.com and mattstein.com. Matt with one T and directly from the high Sierra mountains of Truckee, Northern California, near Lake Tahoe. I would like to welcome Matthew Stein to Veritas. Hello, Matt, and welcome. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm I'm doing really good, and thank you, Mel, for having me on the show today.
1: It's my pleasure. We have to thank our mutual friend, uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. After we did our interview, he referred me to a lot of people, and he said you have to— actually, he introduced me to you, and you sent me the books, which, by the way, I love— And it's one of those books, actually both books, that you have to keep with you at all times, because many people, let me just start from the beginning, Matt. May I call you Matt, by the way?
0: Sure, Matt's Matt's fine.
1: There's a lot of exhaustion from people who say, nothing happened on December 21st, 2012. I don't want to hear about the world ending People are burying their heads in the sand, Matt, and there's a Chinese proverb, I forgot what it says, or it was Ralph Waldo Emerson, who says that the future is for those who prepare. What motivated you to write these books?
0: Well, the the Chinese proverb that I start one of my books with and on my website is, is it not too late if one waits until one's thirsty to begin digging a well? Right. And... Uh, so i've I've had concerns about the the trends of in our world that are headed for collapse for for decades, but I didn't really do much about them. I was just kind of like knew that the uh, there were storm clouds gathering on the horizon and somewhere within my life, unless I di- happened to die young, I would probably see major major collapse, major calamities and you know affecting large percentage of the population of the planet. But back in nineteen ninety seven, uh, at that time, I had a 20-year practice of mostly daily prayer and meditation. Uh, nothing fanatic, but a nice way to start my day. And, and occasionally, as a design engineer, when I was banging my head against the wall and, on design problems and not really happy with a solution I could figure out with my head, I'd pray and I'd meditate and I'd ask for help, and pictures would snap into my head. Well, in Thanksgiving of 1997, give or take a few days, I just made a very generic request in my morning session of prayer meditation. I just asked for guidance, like, guide me. You know, what am I supposed to do in my life? Guide me. And I got a bomb drop in my lap on that particular morning. All of a sudden, instantaneously, I received uh, what can best be described as a storyboard pictorial outline for a massive book project that three years later became When Technology Fails. And what I was shown was... A book that would help people to plan ahead and when it happened deal with um, widespread failures in our highly organized and highly dependent technological society. Now, now realize that I have a bachelor of science from MIT. I'm a hands on kind of guy. I grew up, my parents started me hiking, you know, at age five and camping and climbing, you know, in, in in my, before I was 10 years old, and uh, so I've grown up, I've been a carpenter, a building contractor as well, so I'm not just one of these MIT geeks that sits behind a desk, I'm a real hands-on kind of guy, and when I received this vision, and that's the only way you can describe it, because instantaneously this massive book project, fairly well developed, was dumped into my head in pictorial moving picture outline form, and i realized that with all of my skills and all of my experience which is far greater than the average human being if i was dropped in the middle of the amazon basin with maybe just the clothes on my back and no knife and no tools and no leatherman nothing that i may i certainly couldn't replicate any of our high tech society and i may not even survive even though i was far better equipped than the average joe and with that rude awakening i realized wow you know we our society is so interdependent and so it's such a complex web that keeps everything moving in this great machine of our modern world that it really wouldn't take a lot to you know put the monkey wrench in the spokes and break this machine and all of a sudden the grid's down and you know nuclear power plants are melting down and and no gasoline's flowing and food's not flowing and Everything is repaired and ordered and organized on the Internet, and the Internet's down. So it, it really wouldn't take a whole lot to put the monkey wrench in the spokes of this of this modern world. So that was the first thought. Now, actually, the very first thought when this got dumped into my head was, no effing way, I don't know all this stuff. Now, Jesus calls it the still small voice. People call it the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. This little voice in my head replied and said, no one knows it all. And it assured me that I had the skills and talents that if I chose to take the assignment on, and it always felt like my assignment and not my idea, it, it was, you know, believe me, a, a term paper in college was a major headbanging ordeal for me. And, and when technology fails, it's like 50 term papers wrapped up in one. <laughs> and. um and so, you know, it, it took, I didn't just say, well, you know, jump right up and say, well, you know, God talked to me today and I'm going to write this cool book to help people out with the coming difficult times. It took me about a year to decide maybe it was a good idea. I, I dug up the editor of the Whole Earth Catalog and Howard Reingold in those days, and he thought it was a great idea. A couple other people egged me on and thought it was a great idea. And then a second year to write a proposal and find a small-time publisher to, to take, you know, give me a modest advance. and And then the third year, I, you know, bit the bullet and, and racked up the credit cards and put my engineering business on hold and worked 70 hours a week and finished it off and made it happen. So I figured over that three-year period, I had about two years of labor into it and uh, most of the equity in my home.
1: You know, I, right now, I think of the power grid. There's so many things that could happen an EMP. And when people think of EMP, they think an electromagnetic uh, pulse bomb that could, you know, be dropped by maybe, uh, you know, a rogue country. But this could actually come from the sun. Then we have the hacker attacks. It seems that so many possibilities could converge into one thing, the power grid. And without the power grid, the world as we know it, at least here in the United States and any developed country, it is just stops. How can we mitigate the situation?
0: Well, there's mitigation on a larger scale and mitigation on a small scale. On a small scale, you develop the self-reliance and resilience locally. You know, there's the personal, like me, my family, my immediate friends. Then there's a community level, and then there's the, the state and national level. So on the personal level, it's doing things like making sure you've got the ability to purify water and find and get water like you you said that you live in tucson in the desert and when uh when the grid goes down suddenly you know that big aquifer underneath tucson that that pumps water that keeps the city going uh you know try to get to that when you don't have any any power uh there's very little surface water in tucson and most of that is you know i mean what there's that little park outside of town and it has a creek that comes and goes in the water. And, you know, I've, I've been there, <laughs> so I know that. And what is a city of how many? You got a million people or something in Tucson? Half a million? I don't know how big a it million,
1: is. A million,
0: yeah. Yeah, so what does a million people do when there's, you know, that little reservoir on the side of town is about the only surface water you got, unless maybe it's a big rainfall in the wintertime. What what happens to that million people all of a sudden, you know? and And, uh, and then if there's no grid... And there's no gasoline pumping. How far are they going to get out of town on, on the gas that's in their tank? And and so, you know, there's there's a lot of ramifications there. So you got to think ahead. Like, wow, in this situation where the grid is down, what do I do? How do I survive for three days, five days, a week, two weeks, a month, six months, a year? You know, and, and then you have to think about the threat level and, and your level of paranoia or concern of do you... Think it's going to go down long term, and and uh, you you know you're running the show, but I'd like to talk about the real possibility, and not just possibility, but probability that it will go down for a very long term, like months, possibly years in some places, but many months in over most of our country, and uh, due to just a natural event from the sun, which is guaranteed to happen, that happens every uh, 75 to 100 years on the average. It's been 90 years since the last time it happened, and And so it's like a guaranteed event. Now, so on the personal level, it's how do I deal with myself, my family, my friends, whoever I want to consider in the short term and possibly long term if it's down. Then on the community level, it's like, okay, can we build local resilience? There's a wonderful movement called the Transition Town Movement. And uh, there's the books by Hopkins, Rob Hopkins on the Transition Town Movement, And that's people who've been very concerned about the peak in world oil production and getting communities to start thinking ahead and planning ahead for the decline, which we're right at right now. We're kind of like on the peak right now. It's never going to get – they're never going to get any more hydrocarbons out of the ground than they're getting now. And they're going to – and they're seeing diminishing returns and and having to do things like burn, you know, a barrel of of oil for every – half every barrel and a half or two barrels they get out to, to get like tar sands out of Canada. So it's like flaming up all of this oil just to get the oil out of the ground and because the easy to get to stuff is mostly gone. So it's you know, we're in a world where we've got all these converging trends that even if the sun never has a super solar storm that wipes out the grid, and even if there's never an EMP, and even if there's never a pole shift, and even if there's never any of these you know, a a comet or a a meteorite, large, small asteroid hitting the planet, even if none of those big black swan game-changing events ever happens, just the way we're doing business in our world, these trends are guaranteed to collapse the world as we know it, unless we radically change the way we do things in the world. And I wrote an article called The Perfect Storm, Six Trends Converging on Collapse. You can Google it and go to Huffington Post and went back viral on the internet I've, I've written like dozens of articles but two of them in my life went extremely viral and are extremely important because they're talking about real threats to our planet they could take things down long term to where if and when our technological civilization recovers it will be an extremely different world from the one it was before before that if those events happened so the perfect storm is six trends where you know, we all go to school and we draw graphs and, you know, if the graph is, is headed down and you don't do something different of a, graphing a trend and it's going to eventually hit bottom, which means collapse time, you know, things crash. And we've got six major trends identified in that article. They're all headed for that collapse point. Now, when they're going to hit the collapse, and how resilient our world is and how much punishment our planet can take before, you know, we hit a tipping point and things really fall apart. No one really knows for sure. But we do know that if we don't change those trends, they're going to hit the bottom because that's the way graphs are and trends are. Now, the other article I wrote that went quite viral and is extremely important is called 400 Chernobyls. And there's varying versions of it on the internet and, and a version of it that printed in Nexus magazine and that's uh, sent all over the world. And, and that's talking about the, the threats of both solar super solar storms and uh, EMP, electromagnetic pulse, which is what you were mentioning where some rogue nation or organization decides they really want to put it to the United States and they launch a nuclear bomb on a missile and they blow it off between like-
2: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more,